0: Sean Sewell here in Gimit.com podcast. Very, very honored to have on the show today, my mentor, leader, and a person that I look up to in a lot of ways, Brett Jones. Brett, thank you for being on the show today.
1: Sean, thanks so much. Uh, it's great to have the chance to uh, to chat and uh, to speak to your audience.
0: Thank you, sir. And for the, for the audience who doesn't know who Brett Jones is yet, let me just uh, skim the surface here. Director of Education for Strong First. And Strong First, as you know, is my favorite school for strength. i got all the kettlebells behind me. I've been through the SFG three times, SFB, SFL, Mountain Strong, Strong Endurance. Um, The manuals are like textbooks. They're deep. And he's in charge of the education for that. So very wise person. Also with FMS since 2006. Is that right? Yes. Wonderful. And so obviously FMS plays very well with all modalities of fitness and health. So this guy's education very deep. So I'm hoping to pick your big brain today, Brett. Let's get after it. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Let's rewind 2001, 2002. What was the kettlebell world like and how were you involved in it?
1: (laughs) Uh, So it's funny uh, in part of my training and stuff like that. I uh, have my little 24 kilo bell sitting over here to the side and uh, my, it's about to turn 19 years old. Uh, I got that bell. It's one of the originals, uh, that I got in late, uh, 2001. And, uh, so I had gotten interested in Pavel's other books. I had power to the people and and some uh, naked warrior, I think, you know, some of his other books and, uh, they started advertising and talking about the kettlebell. And so I got the book and, uh, I read the book and I said, well, I can do all this with a dumbbell. And I threw the, threw the book in the, in the drawer. Mm-hmm. And about two months later, I pulled it back out and it was rereading. I'm like, ah. so I hooked up a dumbbell and I tried, you know, one of the snatch workouts with the, with a the dumbbell snatch. And and uh, I like to joke that when EMS revived me, I decided that I should uh, go get some training in this. And that that's a joke for those of you that that might be meeting me uh, virtually for the first time. They don't know my sense of humor. Uh, that was a joke, um, but. You know, I, I became very interested in it, and I went to the second-ever uh, certification that Pavel taught in two, February of 2002. Wow. Um, so it's been uh, quite a few years. Uh, and then the the year after that, I was invited to become what was known at that time as a senior instructor and uh, assisted teaching certifications and things of that nature. So uh, I've been traveling and teaching with Pavel for the last uh, 18 years, uh, sorry, 17 uh, years and, uh, coming on 18 years and, uh, swinging bells for 19. And, uh, um, prior to that, I had actually worked with Gray cook. Uh, I was an athletic trainer in, and he had happened to move back to his hometown, very small town down in Virginia. And so I worked with gray in my training room and and his clinics from 95 to 97. And then we got hooked back up in 2006 and started, uh, producing some materials and, and traveling and teaching, uh, within the, the uh, functional movement systems, uh, as well.
0: Wow. Brett, you were in the middle of both of like, in my opinion, the most effective systems out there. Like that is incredible.
1: I, I was very fortunate. Um, I've been blessed and, and very fortunate in my mentors and, uh, you know, I was a, kind of an early adopter. Uh, you know, I was at the first FMS workshop, which was like in 99, um, and uh, have, have been, been uh, but just been mentored and, and had these fantastic opportunities presented to me and was able to access them and and uh, capitalize on those opportunities. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been, uh, I, I love it when people are like, well, you know, I've been swinging bells for five years and I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's, that's good. That's a good start. <laughs> that's a positive
0: way of seeing that. I like that. <laughs> exactly. It's a good start. Yeah, it's always good to encourage and empower rather than uh, beat down. Exactly. Um, your, your work ethic is uh, legendary. Do you have any advice for uh, people starting out in any industry, fitness, health, uh, small business in general, about putting in the hours and putting in the work? Oh,
1: absolutely. Um, what I saw modeled for me by my father and my grandfather and people in my family uh, was certainly uh, you put in the hours, you do the work. Mm-hmm. And um, that, it, it's, it's no secret, but it is the secret to success, is to, is to put, put the work in, put the hours in. Uh, as an athletic trainer, athletic trainers are kind of notorious for being the first people to show up and the last people to leave and to put in the hours uh, because that's what's required in the job. And so I just brought all of that with me to everything else that, that I do. And, and I do like to joke that I won't get outworked. Uh, I might, somebody might be better at something than, than me, but I'm not going to get outworked uh, in that situation. And so, uh, you want to work wisely. Um, mm-hmm. you, you want to, uh, cap, uh, you know, maximize or optimize your time. Uh, but it's going to require hours. You know, the, there's kind of, a, uh, some people looking for that, uh, that shortcut, and there, I saw a, a saying in a Thai restaurant many years ago on a trip that an overnight success takes 10 years. Oh, I and like that. Yeah. So people, people see someone succeeding and there's, there's all kinds of memes and pictures on the internet that uh, they show the tip of the iceberg of being the success. And then, you know, underneath is the the bulk of the iceberg and it's the hours and anxiety and work and, you know, things that you, that you put in. Um, and you just, you can't shy away from that. It's, it's it's going to take work and uh, and putting the hours in and study and uh, it, it's it's really that simple um, it's simple doesn't mean easy uh, sure. but it, but it is that that simple uh, you're gonna there, there's there's hours required and you know personal training in the fitness industry is interesting in that uh, there uh, it can be a 14-15 hour day where you have a bulk of people in the morning lunch Later in the day, you've got some spots where you get your own training in, or you're taking care of clients, uh, you're marketing yourself, or doing client acquisition, retention, you know, all of these things. It's it's a lot of work, um, and you just have to be willing to,
0: to to do that. That's great advice. That's really great advice. As an entrepreneur myself, 13, 14 years in, um, there's no replacement for hard work. None.
1: <laughs> do you need- yeah, and you want to work wisely. I mean, you can't you can't spin your wheels. Know when to change directions, but uh, but you're going to be putting the hours
0: in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point, I heard on the podcast you spoke about this, and I've talked to a lot of other entrepreneurs about this. Working intelligently, working wisely, not keeping busy. Busy work doesn't mean productive work necessarily. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Busy versus productive is probably one of the things that people uh, need the most adjustment on. Um, just cause you were on the computer for 10 hours doesn't mean you were productive. It means you were on the computer for 10 hours. Um, and that, that can be the difference between that, that working smarter and instead of harder sort of mindset that, uh, that, that optimizes your
0: time and gets you some real benefit. Absolutely. Gosh, this is great. This is very helpful advice. Um, do you have any kind of resources or wisdom that you use when you get um, a sticking point? Like, Personally, I encounter failure almost daily. I have a new idea, a new project. I throw it against the wall. It might not stick. A lot of people take failure very, very personal. Um, But is there anything you can advise people on how to bounce back?
1: Yeah, don't take it personally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, simple, uh, not easy. Um, It it is uh, because uh, we're so invested in what we're doing uh, we start to take those things as as personal failures instead of business failures. And uh, you're, to your point, you're going to throw a bunch of stuff against the wall. There's stuff that isn't going to work. Um, you're going to lose clients. You're going to gain clients. You're going to you know this 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 mill of client acquisition and re- and uh, retention and and loss. Uh, in the big box gym industry, which is going to be forever changed by the current COVID situation, but previously in the big box gym industry, they would expect over 50% turnover. So they would lose and regain 50% of the membership. And so they would maintain you know, your typical 24-hour fitness or, or uh, whatever big box gym you want to name. Um, they might have 5,000 members but they'll lose about 2,500 and regain about 2,500 in a year. And uh, so they just kind of, they're on this continual mill. And so um, you, you kind of have to walk the line. There's some consistency that has to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna be delivering your product in a consistent manner. Um, I'm still teaching the swing. Haven't uh, been, been teaching the swing for 18 years. Haven't stopped. Um, but you know, hopefully I've refined my uh, technique and, and the way that I'm teaching the swing. So you have your consistency, but you have your innovation. Um, it's really, um, but we're personally invested. And so it hurts the, the failures can sting a little bit, but, um, you, you just gotta, you gotta shift and adapt and, and keep moving forward. I, as I mentioned before, I've just been very fortunate in my mentor's and uh, I've been able to bounce things off of people like Pavel and Gray and uh, Fabio and uh, people uh, that, that might not be with Strong First anymore, but still friends. Uh, so I, I, I have a, a, a bunch of people. I have my wife uh, and my family and, you know, those, those, uh, those opportunities to, to get clarity uh, and to uh, bounce things off of people. I've just been I've, I've been very fortunate in that. And if you don't have that sort of, uh, support, that's probably why it stings so bad, or it's probably why your ideas sound so good because you're in your own echo chamber and I'm in my own mind, I'm pretty
0: smart. (laughs) I know that feeling.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But when I, when I, when the words come out and somebody, a mentor or my wife or somebody hears the words. And I hear the words, it's like, oh, really not a good idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being honest about that. Oh, it's so true. Oh, I can be like, I'm. This is going to change the world. And I, I t- say to my wife, and she's like, No, take the trash out. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bad so, idea, and you forgot the trash.
0: Right. We get to it. <laughs> That's life, guys. Oh, I love it. It's 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 great to talk about the, the reality because it's really, I know, the last three or four years especially, very easy for people to see on social media or what's written or presented that, oh, it's perfect, that it was effortless for this person or this business, when really it was not. And everybody I've talked to, yeah, I know, there, there's so much more behind the scenes and so much effort and failure and just brushing the dirt off and reinventing, especially for most of us in this industry and in outdoor industry and athletes last four months have been something I don't think any of us could ever planned for, but we all have to adapt to it. I had to close three gyms in one day. And so what do you do then? Yeah, you still have people that rely on you for their wellness, health, service, uh, mentally and physically. Uh, You got to find ways to help them. So I know a lot of the ones that are still in operation or have, have changed and offered online services, you know, like a lot of people we know do. Been a, it's been a lifesaver, a game changer. But the people that just show up to some place and go do their their business and then go home, and they can't do that. I feel I feel for them. You know,
1: hundred percent. It's been uh, to your point. Nobody nobody predicted this. Mm-mm. Maybe we should have known that that eventually something like this was going to come about. But uh, but having that sort of foresight and, and having those plans in place, I think that's that would be a rather rare thing. Yes. Um, and we have had some gyms that have made some, uh, tremendous adaptations. Uh, we have a strong first credit gym in the Saratoga Springs area of New York, uh, made a really quick switch to some online offerings and they're thriving. They're doing really oh, well. God. Uh, kettlebell God. works up, up in Saratoga Springs, Danny Sawaya, one of our senior instructors and, in, and, uh, um, um, strong first credited gym in, in uh, Tucson, uh, moved his entire gym outdoors. Uh, so that he could continue to he was uh, they're allowed to have outdoor training places, but not indoor. He's like fine We're going outdoors and Spent a bunch of money setting up the tents I mean this is Arizona. It's not the <laughs> that's best that's place <laughs> to be training outside during the <laughs> yeah. summer so no it, Yeah, but they're they're uh, they're succeeding and adapting and many other gyms uh, are doing the same thing and um, it's it's interesting because gyms and personal training situations tend to be very personality based.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, people tend to follow an instructor. Uh, they they like the way they teach class. They just they they groove on that person's energy, um, and so that can be hard to transition to online offerings and, and distance coaching and things like that. And you have to kind of remove yourself. That's this, this is another situation where removing the ego. Uh, and and realizing that you have you have to adapt and provide this new product, um, and then that this this burns a lot of people. But you're not the secret sauce. Um, there there are lots of other people offering this 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 service, this product, um, and you have to you have to do it in a way that, that resonates with people. And usually, getting your ego out of it and and uh, focusing on the client student uh, that that you're working with is is a big key.
0: I like that answer. It's very true. Um, for, for, for example, the gyms I had to close down, um, very unfortunate, but I was able to transition to online and not everybody has equipment. Like fortunately I've got all the, I've got all the kettlebells, TRXs, everything I would ever need. And I'm mobile like Danny. So I would meet people outside safely, social distance. It's inspiring to other people that are around like, Oh, you still can get your training and fitness in doesn't have to be yep. in the gym with the all the machines. It can be as simple as just one kettlebell or your body weight. So that was that was fun and, and, and uh, inspiring the new gym I'm at. Doc Cardle actually hosted the SFL there. That was fantastic meeting him and going through that. And then awesome. we did the SFG um at the other location about a month and a half ago. Everybody loved that. So there still are ways to do this safely within whatever state's rules are. Of course, that's the preceding thing. But yeah, it's pivoting, adapting, and serving your people.
1: Absolutely. No, it's 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 uh the the people that are that are doing that are going to come out of this okay, and uh, you know it is to your point. There's local, uh, local, state, and of course some federal guidelines, and, and you just you have to do the right things.
0: Yes, and uh, that's, that's do where the right art at the moment. Exactly uh, to your point, doing the right thing uh, for us. Luckily, one of the clients of the law firm my my gym was in. Uh, works for the mayor of Denver, so I have the chief of staff's emails. So I'm like, hey, what's current right now? What what's best practices? So exactly. we're covering our butts, staying safe. Awesome. Yes, sir. Well, a little more about your history. Um, on one of the podcasts, I think it's the second uh, or the last Strong First podcast you were on. You mentioned um, uh, kettlebell sport, which I thought mm-hmm. was fascinating. I mean, I've gone through that side as well, and I appreciate like the dancing with the bell and the fluidity and the triple breath on the snatch and all these really cool, unique aspects to it definitely not hard style but it's a style right Uh, what was your experience with that with the long cycles and all the more crazy endurance stuff
1: so we're talking about the early days um the first kettlebell competition that happened in the states was on a field uh, outside of a facility because we actually couldn't didn't have enough dough put together to actually rent a facility but they would let us be on the grass outside and so we're out there on a field in Northern Virginia, I think uh, maybe it was the Philly area. Um, and I mean, this is 2003, 2004, the the early days of kettlebells in the States. And I wouldn't say that I did enough gear voice sport to really have any uh, intelligent opinions uh, on, on some of it. Uh, um, certainly I've snatched a bunch and I've done jerks and things like that. Uh, but where kettlebell sport went due to some of the rules changes you know when they implemented the 10-minute time frames and they they eliminated the rest in the rack during the snatch and things like that Uh, the technique drastically changes uh it has changed and there's some amazing performances that are are put up by some of the the top gear voice sport athletes and certainly have a great respect for uh, those people that compete and, and, uh, and, and, and do that. Just not what we do yeah. um, uh, to your point. Awesome. Awesome support. Uh, very impressive. Just, just not what we do. And um, so, yeah, the, that makes me smile to think back to the, the very early days of, of, the, of the kettlebell world. And, and uh, we were just trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. You know, we were, we were doing the best we could based on, uh, the the knowledge that we had, there were no competition bells. You know, we'd never seen one of those. We had the cast iron bells oh. and, and, uh, oh, well, from, oh yeah, there was no, th-
0: n- oh, none of those uh, that just down straight down. up. Uh... Okay. Yep. Gotcha.
1: The classic cast iron uh, thick handle. Um, you know, it was, it was, it, it was very humbling. different.
0: Yes. <laughs> Probably pretty humbling too. Oh, Definitely. My... Yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating. And I'm so glad you're open about talking about it because it is impressive in a lot of ways. It's not how I train myself. I, I wanted to learn it. but I want to respect it. But um, I've had such better luck using uh, stuff we'll talk about in a few minutes, like the strong endurance and the quick and the dead and the book back there. For yep. so what we do, like you know, in my world, it's more important for me to be able to help my in-laws go move next weekend and then go climb a mountain and camp on it with my dogs at twelve thousand feet and then go back to work. That's my goal.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah. No. It's it's uh, the kind of it. It's a sport. There are things that are unique to training for that sport. And so that's the, that's a, just a different direction uh, in the training. Uh, we focus on, I would say, just more general adaptations. You know, one of the things we used to joke about a lot within the, the community was uh, the, the what-the-heck effect. Yes. Um, you do swings and presses for a while, and all of a sudden your pull-up numbers go up, even though you haven't been practicing your pull-ups. Uh, so that that just kind of general general adaptation and that's you know one of the things from from soviet or or uh, the the sports science um you know people talk about gpp and they think it's conditioning well gpp is everything except the specific sport adaptations that you're looking for so there's a lot in that basket and so we're we're focused on that big basket that gets us turnover into other
0: things Oh, well explained. And it's so true. Every person that I teach, I start with the heart style because it's, in my opinion, more effective and simple and um, easier to coach. And like you said, um, when they go into their activities, for example, I train a lot of bow hunters and backcountry skiers and, and splitboarders, And we don't train on a splitboard or bow hunting. We train with the kettlebell doing certain things. And then they go and do their sport and they're like, what the heck? Like that felt the best it's ever felt. And just yep. we're like i don't know why it works it just works
1: well it, it we're targeting some really just fundamental uh areas to to strengthen and have power in and uh and that's that's the the carry or crossover um the the strength conditioning world went down kind of a, a weird rabbit hole um quite a few years ago of, of sports specificity where everything had to look like the thing you wanted it to to, to get better at well, in that case, just go do the thing that you want to get better right. at. More fun. Don't, yeah. Don't try to make your training look like, um, you know, I've, I've been uh, working with a professional triathlete and, uh, I have not touched, uh, any, uh, running technique. I haven't touched swimming. I haven't touched, but what I've done is, is, uh, through looking at fundamental movement using the FMS, uh, we found some tight ankles and a tight T spine, um, opened those areas up, the PR started coming. The The biking got better, the running got better. We targeted some things for the, for the T-spine and for the mechanics that her coach wanted her to be better at in her swimming, her swimming got better. Uh, I didn't touch her swimming, but I was able to say, well, this is a T-spine issue, this is a scapular issue, this is the stretch so that you can get into this position better. And that's really the talent of a, of a good strength conditioning coach is to find those weak links because uh, as the old saying goes, working on any other link, but the weakest one will not change the chain. It won't strengthen the chain. So make sure you got your bullseye on the thing that you need to be better at mm-hmm. still, you know, you're going to do all your other training as well, but target those things you need to be better at and, other stuff will start to fall into place and happen. Uh, it's great when you're not fighting your own body to, in order to accomplish a certain activity.
0: Ah, oh, that's such good advice. It's so true. You may I ask, was the T-spine stretched the bretzel?
1: That was one of them. Um, I always start with the rib grab and look at the T-spine in more isolation. Okay. Uh, then I go to the bretzel and look at the T-spine challenged by the opposite side anterior chain. Uh, and then I want to gain some active control over that T-spine rotation. So there's a, there's a little process that I go through. Uh, we just actually did a webinar for, uh, for FMS covering the T-spine. Uh, that'll be out soon. And uh, then in the next
0: few weeks. I will send up for that. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. For the listeners and viewers out there, if you don't know, uh, Brett Jones has his own exercise called the pretzel. Uh so,
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna give one point of clarity there. That was done to me. That was not done by me. Fair. Um, so I did not name the exercise. Gray felt it was very amusing to, to combine a bret and a pretzel, and to make a pretzel, uh, he got great amusement out of that. Little did he know, pretzel in French is spelled with a b. It is. It is pretzel. Yeah. Um, so. It's that was done to me. I, I did not name an exercise after myself. Uh, it was done to me.
0: Fair enough. Well, of all the exercises to have named after yourself, it's nice to have it from a from, uh, from great cook and it had to be so effective. I use Brezel one and two all the time with my people, and they love it.
1: Awesome. yeah, it's 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 a great uh, um, I kind of flow through it as part of a, a little warm up that I have for my um, you know, just daily daily life doesn't do favors to our T spine and hip mobility. And so it's always something to, to be mindful of, you know, six, eight hours a day of sitting around on the computer, probably a good idea to open those areas up before you uh, T spine and hips and ankles before you really start pushing on the body that day.
0: That's a very good idea. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Oh, I'm loving all this, but I'm taking so many notes. I've got like a lot of notes right now. So this is great. <laughs> very cool um, so you were super involved with fms even before 2000 you get involved uh with kettlebells um start working with pavel you said in 02 what was that yeah, like? yeah
1: very different <laughs> <laughs> um we were it was it's february in uh, uh minneapolis st paul you. area it was in the 30s and we're throwing water balloons at each other at uh about 8 8 8, eight 30 at night uh oh. and the purpose was to learn how to absorb not uh stiff catch wow. and so that's what we're doing with the swing right when we have the the over speed eccentric and we get into that loaded hinge position we want to absorb and redirect we don't want to stop and catch and with a water balloon if you stop and catch you get wet uh-huh. if you if you know how to absorb you get to throw the water balloon back uh, so we were doing stuff like that. I, I think we started with the press instead of with the swimming. Um, it, was, it was just a vast, it was a really different experience. And it's been, been really, you know, I, I've kind of grown up uh, in Pavel's system and have been a part and, and have been witness to and been part of this progression in teaching and, and things of that nature. Uh, so it's been a, been a really interesting uh, journey. But yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty
0: different. That's hilarious. I would love to do that drill with my clients. That'd be fun. We, we yeah, like, yeah, just, it, yeah we just like not, it. just not during winter, well, especially during the winter. <laughs> Make them much more responsive. Yes, it's cold and wet. Oh, it's hilarious. And, and to your point about uh, going through this system, um, I, I started in 2015. Uh, Zara Horton was my uh, lead instructor. Um, learned like drink from a fire hose, which is ironic because he's a fireman. And then two years later, i uh, with you, sir. Um, and you have a great coaching ability to look at somebody and within a short sentence, give them the right cue that just cleans them right up. And it's uh, direct and honest. It's much appreciated. Well,
1: thank you. It's uh, that's, you know, um, I, I was the kid in wrestling who was helping coach. So I was, I was, I've had a little bit of an eye for movement as, uh, as I've developed, uh, working with, with people like Gray and Pavel, you get that eye gets, gets much sharper. And then it's just the years. It's putting the time in it's, you know, I've worked with literally thousands of people at this point and, uh, the, the nothing replaces that time in. And, uh, you know, you can look at Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink. And uh, he'll talk about uh, advanced pattern recognition. Uh, one of the things that separates uh, experts uh, from, from maybe uh, amateurs or people that are early on in their career is you have this log of things that you've seen before. And so your ability to recognize that pattern the second, third, 500th time becomes much sharper, much better. Um, he gives the story in there of a of a, a statue that they were getting evaluated, and it was supposedly this like Roman or Greek statue that was very old, two thousand plus years old, and um, it. Uh, they brought an expert in, and the expert wanted to see it uh, unveiled, so they had covered it, uh, and the curtain gets pulled back, and the first word in this expert's mind was "fresh." the first word in your head when looking at an almost 3,000-year-old statue should probably not be fresh.
0: No. Maybe right? it's so, a statue, but not a statue.
1: Yeah, exactly. So he, this, this expert just intuitively looked at it and said, something's not right. Like, that shouldn't be my first response. Well, this company had spent six months and a lot of money verifying this thing. And it turns out after having spent all that money, they were wrong. It was a fake. Yep. Um, and so you know, that advanced pattern recognition and trusting, uh, that you're seeing what you're seeing, um, is, is something to, to develop over time.
0: A great skill set for sure. Well, that's a great story too. I love that. Now. Yeah, that's right. Like a good coach or good, anybody in the profession should be able to, to, to see the difference and and then find a way to make it better. Right. Yeah. Um, and And, and that's,
1: Sorry, just real quick. One of the the things that's key there is there can be a difference between spotting the flaw and spotting what's causing or knowing what's causing it. Nice. Um, A lot of people will bang away on the flaw, but there's a tight ankle. There's there's something else further up the chain. I've seen something as simple as a ball cap influence somebody's form uh, because you put this artificial roof uh, in front of you, and it can change your form. I've seen shorts or uh, pants that uh, hang down too low and artificially kind of stop the swing early because you can't get into your full hinge. Yep. So spotting the flaw is one thing, knowing what's causing the flaw and being able to direct your attention towards that. Uh, that is a little bit of the secret sauce.
0: That's the moneymaker right there. That's great advice. And you know, that probably comes from your background too. Um, a lot of fitness professionals, if, you don't, if you've not done yet, I would recommend going through FMS. It's, It really, really helps with this kind of stuff. And then practice. Agreed. Yeah. Time in. Time in, no replacement for time in. Um, Speaking of time, um, back in the day, I heard that you got into bending things, bending steel.
1: (laughs) Yes, at at one time I had a pretty strong pair of hands. Um, I was the 11th guy in the world to bend the red nail, which is a seven inch, uh, five sixteenths uh, thick, uh, cold rolled steel. Um, and, uh, yeah. other oh. grip feats, uh, I've picked up five, 10 pound plates with one hand, um, close to number three gripper, um, just hub lifted 45s and just, I've done some various grip feats and, and things like that. Um, and, uh, haven't, haven't played with that in quite a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, at one point I had some pretty strong hands.
0: That's incredible. I, it blows my mind uh, how you or anybody can get to the point of, of doing these things. Um, I know you train for it, obviously. I had Dave Whitley on Iron Tamer, and on the mm-hmm. okay, he just rips things in half like a license plate just for a heck of it. <laughs> I'm just like, whoosh. <laughs> totally impressive. But I have no idea where I even begin with that. I guess at the beginning, but uh, I, 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 it's funny because I the way I got
1: into grip training, uh, I was already uh, doing kettlebell training. I was contacted by uh, Randall Strawson of Iron Mind to be a witness for somebody bending the red nail. And so while I was there and I was witnessing, because, and that literally he just sends you three of the red nails and the, you know, you get hooked up with the person that's making the attempt. Um, So I take the nails, they make the attempt and I verify it and and whatever. Um, But he, the person that had taught him was there. And this is a gentleman named Steve McGranahan. And Steve's a very small six foot five, 350 pound guy, a tiny. Uh, tiny individual uh, who I've seen do some of the most impressive strength feats uh, stuff that what they, what you see in a performance is not the top of the abilities. That's just, that's average. That's every day so there's another level when they're in their own training and they're trying to master maybe a new skill or a new feat um so steve uh had me do a few things while i was there and i bent a 60 penny nail i closed the number two gripper and he's like you should do this (laughs) he's like you you're at a you're doing pretty good already so you should put some time into this and there is something very addictive uh, and appealing about feeling steel give way to your strength. So when you take a piece of steel and you're the one bending it and you feel it give to your strength, that's a, that's a pretty cool sensation. And you start chasing that and you start chasing the next uh, grade up. And I tend to be mildly obsessive when I get into something that I like. And so I quit doing almost everything but grip feats. And I went from beginning bending to bending the red nail, I think in five months, four or five months. Wow! Uh, so I made a very quick progression um, towards uh, bending the red nail and and gaining a lot of grip strength. Kind of did the same thing when I got obsessed with squatting. And all I wanted to do was back squat. And uh, it took me to a, a, a 518 in competition squat, uh, belts only um, at, a, at a AAU um, Nationals down in Florida a few years ago. Um, I think that was 2007. Wow. Something like that. But uh, yeah, I tend to be mildly to very obsessive. Uh, once I become enamored of something, I will, again, to the original conversation about putting the hours in yeah um if if it's got my attention it's got my attention
0: and you're in oh yeah I respect that so much that's some impressive numbers too um if a person was curious about getting into that kind of thing what would, would something like the, the gripper be a good way to start getting after it grippers are a great way to start kettlebell training is a
1: good way to start yeah. you're going to build a lot of grip strength um snatches uh, i think in particular um swings uh there's there's a, a lot of ballistic loading in the grip that that really and that's why I was I think I was able to enter into grip training at a high level higher level um and without having done it because I had this good base of strength you know, there was a research study a little while back where um they found that uh grip strength and lack of grip strength correlated with all cause mortality yes and it turns yeah. out that grip grip strength can be a fantastic thing to look at uh, from, uh, just a health perspective. And if you lack grip strength, there's something going on in the system. Right. But that doesn't mean go buy grippers and just sit there and you you can still be an incredibly unhealthy person and able to close a very impressive gripper because you're just sitting there going, (laughs) um, it's the lifestyle that results in a strong grip that you're after. It's it's that active uh, fit lifestyle that gets you strong hands that you're looking for. It's not strong hands in isolation, uh, but yeah, grippers can be a tremendous place to start uh, kettlebell training. Um, it's fun. It's you yeah. know, it's, it's, I kind of transitioned out of it. I just kind of um, the next shiny thing. A little bit of powerlifting showed up, and so I kind of went in that direction. And you do reach a point, I think, with some of the grip feats and some of the strongman feats. Where there's a risk benefit ratio, yeah, does me pursuing this next thing is that actually going to because I got to get up the next morning and teach for eight hours you know i'm I'm leading a workshop or something like that i've got to be able to demonstrate the skills and be uh, functional and effective. me being injured or not being able to do something became a liability not a not a benefit, yep. and so I had to kind of keep moving forward
0: well, that makes sense uh, well you uh have some pretty amazing feats of strength for sure. But I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad some
1: of them are on video because I sure can't handle them now. <laughs> oh,
0: that's true. Some of the things that I think all of us have done, um, we train hard for probably can't just get off the couch and do it again.
1: Dangerous. They're called PRs for a reason, right? It's, it's, not, it's not called an every day. It's called it a PR.
0: Yep. Well, you know, speaking of PRs, uh, this last four months during the pandemic um, the people who have continued with training and, and, they've done very well with it have set what I like to call pandemic PRs, which has been really cool to see, you know, remotely. Definitely. Yeah. It, because now they have, it's going to sound kind of weird, but a little more controlled their life because they get a little more rest, right. To not traveling as much, not paying for parking. Probably they're not going to other places. So they have more time to cook better food and, and take care of themselves. Just the,
1: the silver linings of a, of a pandemic, right. Uh, <laughs> and you gotta, you gotta find the silver linings because the negatives will drag you down. Mm. Uh, you know, there are some silver linings and, and a little bit more time to train. Uh, I'm fortunate. I've worked from home for the last six, seven years. Um, I, I can create a break in my day. I have a fairly large number of kettlebells scattered around the room. Uh, I'm able to get, get some training in and, and take care of business. Uh, and, I, and I think um, that Courage Corner concept and that uh, um, having that kind of one-stop shop one or two, three bells, complete routine is of huge benefit, but it's, it has been impressive. And I think post 9-11, one of the industries that did well was the fitness industry, was the gym industry, because people were looking to relieve stress. They were looking to uh, do something to deal with this uncertainty. And I think we're kind of in that same situation where people are looking, there, There's when so many things are out of control. Uh, or not within your control is a much better way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Uh, focusing on what you can control, one of those being your physicality and, and fitness and things like that, is an excellent direction to to regain uh, some uh, perceived control and, and move forward in your life.
0: I love that, Brett. That, that's so wise. And I, I hope that people take a second to let that sink in for a moment. There's plenty of things, especially right now we can't control, but the things we can control – those little tiny victories that you should be investing your time in those things. Right. Yep. I have uh 28 writers on the engagement team and you know, a lot of them lost their jobs or they can't do their professional athletic endeavors. And so I try and give them little pep talks. And I say, Hey, did you make the bed this morning? Did you tie your shoes? Did you walk your dog for a twice as long walk than usual? Did you make your own food? You know, tiny victories, jump on that. You know, you can control that. You can double down on that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's uh, there's a, I have a picture, a meme uh, on my phone, and it's uh, this beautiful scene. And it's a, it's a like a Buddhist uh, monk sitting meditating in this this beautiful uh, setting. And then what what it says is, "Relax, nothing is under control." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. I <laughs> love it.
1: And that's kind of a mindset that uh, if if you can realize that you you do have these things in your life that you can control and work on. Uh, but there's a whole lot else happening that you don't have any control over. That's yes. usually where our stress and anxiety lie. We're trying to control something that we never had the option to control in the first place. And so, um, whether you want to call it more Buddhist philosophy or uh, stoic philosophy, uh, kind of moving in that direction, um, gives you a little bit more control.
0: Uh, that's, that's very wise. That's a very good segue to the, the, the heavy part of the conversation, um, I'm not going to claim to be a stoic, but I have used those principles to help me through some of life's more challenging moments. Um, like I've talked to with you offline. Um, my entire family has gone through some, you know, pretty major changes. All my, my brother died of a heart attack at 21, um, which allowed me to get into fitness because I want to help more people, with their health and wellness and fitness. My sister, when I met you the first time I was her caretaker through um, stage four brain cancer. And so Again, you, you find these beautiful moments. She, she lost her sight, ability to walk, so it makes you very grateful for all these little things. And using stoicism as well as taking care of myself as much as I can and knowing what I can control and what I can't and just accepting it and making peace with it as best as possible has allowed me to to move forward with all this too. And you recently have experienced a very challenging situation. Um, if you could share with the listeners how what you've been through and how, what tools are you used to get through it? I would. Absolutely.
1: Um, so first uh, all the best to your family and, and, and folks that uh, that, that have been through those struggles. You uh, certainly have a different appreciation for, for what that means nowadays. Uh, I myself on uh, February 20th of this year was diagnosed with uh, primary tonsillar squamous cell carcinoma. So uh, throat cancer, uh, that had spread into surrounding, uh, from the tonsil into surrounding, uh, ton musculature. So it was a stage three cancer, um, T4 largest, uh, very large tumor, uh, no lymph nodes. And, uh, I went through, uh, seven weeks of radiation and chemo and, um, I'm just, um, about 10 weeks post treatment now and getting ready for my follow-up scans. And, um, the, the, the process, the treatment, uh, the radiation, the chemo, um, uh, cancer's hell and, uh, cancer treatment is hell. And, uh, it, it's very, very challenging. Um, the, the, the way they did the radiation and the the treatment for, for the throat cancer. Um, I was, I was actually hospitalized three different times during my cancer treatment, uh, to once to, wants to take care of a back uh, disc herniation, uh, L3, L4 disc herniation and nerve pain. Uh, my first week of chemo, I end that week by having my back go and, and in the hospital for a week or, or for a few days to get the pain under control. And then once for nausea and not just not being able to eat. And, uh, I lost about 40 pounds, uh, in the process of the treatment and, uh, you know, it's, uh, Fortunately, I had excess tissue to sacrifice uh, in losing that 40 pounds. I can't imagine uh, what it would have been like had I not had uh, that reserve. And, and, you know, I was heavy. I was not. Um, I was real thick around the waist and, and carrying some extra muscle and stuff that I probably didn't need to be carrying. And, uh, but I had that tissue to sacrifice over the course of that, uh, that treatment. And then uh, several weeks after treatment is just recovering. The the, the radiation's still active. The, you're still dealing, recovering from the chemo and things of that nature. Um, so it was uh, it was it was it was rough. Uh, there was a lot of um, intense moments, and um, thank thank goodness, uh, thank the good Lord for my wife, uh, who really saw me through it and was was. Uh, the reason I was able to survive and, and, and make it through the treatment. So the the role of a caregiver uh, and somebody who's supporting somebody going through that is it's, it's uh, as hard, if not harder uh, on that person. And uh, so a lot of, a lot of appreciation and and, uh, for, for what you've done and for what my wife has done and and, and how it, it, uh, how how it helped me uh, get through.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's amazing. And we're, I know myself, and all of your colleagues and students and friends are just grateful that you persevered through that. That's it's a very very tough fight.
1: I uh, I've had some amazing examples from my family. Uh, I not sur- maybe surprisingly, but maybe not surprisingly, I come from a uh, pretty stubborn and uh, <laughs> a pretty t- pretty tough stock. Um, Metal skills. Uh, my uh, my grandmother on my mom's side is uh, just. She's survived more than uh, many other people. She's she's had lifetimes of of suffering. Uh, she's seen the death of two of her husbands. She's had the suicide of two of her children. Uh, she's had her knee replaced. She's had a pacemaker. She's got terminal cancer, uh, and that's just kind of the that's just the 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 big hits, not the all the small ones that have occurred. And I was ta- talking to her, and I, I was asking her how do you, you've been through all of this. Like, how do you keep going? And I can see her face, you know, even though we're on the phone Uh, and, and I can, she paused for a second and she goes, well, you live till you die. Profound. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So what I, what I've learned you know, from my family is uh, you don't get
0: to stop. I love it. I'm writing that down. That is, that's a very good quote. Yeah. You live till you die. You live till you die. So might as well live, you know, I know a lot exactly. of people. Yeah. Tough stuff happens to a lot of people. We all have battles. We're fighting behind the scenes. Some people are open to talk about it. Some are not. I've tried to be more vocal about it just to help break down the barrier, especially for men. People think they're like reserved and strong, but it's okay to like open up and say, Hey, you know, right now I'm, I'm my mother's got pancreatic cancer. I'm taking care of her. It's very sad, but um, you know, to, to that credit, opening up allowed me to be a resource to a person this last Christmas. He called me up. I talked to him for four hours as he was with his father for the last day of his life. And, you know, it's beautiful to be of service to a person I've never met physically. But Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's what we do. We empower, right?
1: Definitely. And that's, you know, the the, the, the trite kind of uh, one of the only internet memes that, that might have some truth behind it. Uh, everyone's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And uh, so that showing some kindness uh, can be
0: an incredible thing. Again, and to your credit, sir, you were always very nice about giving a very nice little encouraging kind message. Um, And it helped me through So I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you. And, and uh, it's, yeah. Um, The struggles uh, I I would, was, was on another podcast previously and we were, we were talking about the cancer a bit and you know, there's uh, this person was relaying that there's this perception that, you know, I, I was so strong and and handled the treatment so well. Um, Yeah. I had, I had my moments. I, uh, I had my doubts. I had my moments. I had my not strong times and uh, there's, there was a lot of struggle and a lot of uh, a lot of suffering that that was involved there. And um, you know, I, I, Kept my head down. Did did what was needed. I, I survived. I made it through the treatment. Uh, I've Got some follow up scans coming up that will tell the story of of how effective the treatment was, and uh, we'll know better uh, where I'm going to go, you know, from there. Uh, but uh, you know, there's the, and one one saying that I kept in my mind in addition to my grandmother's. Uh, there's a old Winston Churchill quote that uh, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> That's good. That's good logic. <laughs> so that was that was the mindset. Um, I love it. And, you know,
0: keep going. Keep going. Oh, This is nuggets of wisdom. I love this. Yeah, that's really good advice, and hopefully, it hits somebody. I know it hit a lot of people at the right time, and that'll just make the world a difference for them. I that's, hope so. Yeah, and it will for sure. So you're you're out of. Um, I think your last treatment was a was it in May middle of May, May 15th. Okay. So, yeah, so
1: 10 weeks, basically 10 weeks out of treatment.
0: Okay. Excellent. And so you'll probably go back in uh, two or three weeks in for, yeah. Cool. Well, thoughts and prayers to you. Um, lots of love. Okay. Um, what are you doing now for your fitness and health routines?
1: Uh, the basics. Okay. Um, so swings, um, snatches. Um, I, I'm, uh, became a big fan of the, uh, strength aerobic style workout. So a clean, a press, a squat. Um, and I have several variations of what that can look like, uh, in a training session. Um, but I'm just, I'm just hitting the basics and, uh, there's a, an opportunity to relearn a lot of things
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as I go through this. And there's a uh, opportunity to keep learning, uh, about myself, my body. Um, you know, having wasted away 40 pounds of, uh, and a lot of that muscle, a lot of that fat, um, <laughs> That's I, I, was, I was, I was, heavy. Um, I've had to really, uh, I keep finding out that, uh, I'm pushing a little too hard and I've got to step back I've got to control uh, my output. Uh, I, I've joked for a long time that I'm strong enough to hurt myself. And uh, I really am at this point. I'm, my, my base of strength and uh, the kind of residual memory of what I could do uh, comes with me. And I end up finding out the day after I've done too much and I, I have to take a couple of days off. And so I'm trying to do much better at controlling my output and uh, getting good recovery. And um, but trying to look at that, look at those things as opportunities to continue to learn and, uh, progress.
0: That's good feedback. Um, I appreciate you talking about that because I know a lot of people just go hard, hard, hard. And on paper that they, day, that day's plan is this, but personally, and I think you have as well, um, used tools, uh, metrics to track, to see, uh, like the, the push band for accelerometer and force, um, heart rate variability, heart rate in general, uh, resting talk and stuff like that. Are there any kind of tools you're currently using to kind of keep tabs on your abilities?
1: Um, I, I'm horribly low on data at the, at the <laughs> moment. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling my way through this uh, to, a, to a good extent. I'm definitely using, uh, I have a, a tendency to go back to the clock um, and want to regulate my work-rest ratios, and I have to step away from that. I have to use the timeless strategy from Simple and Sinister 2.0 um, I have to apply that kind of across the board with my training right now. Um, having said that, my plan for today is to do five swings at the top of the minute for 20 minutes. Um, really good recovery, and, and I'll, I'll be doing it at a, at a weight that's, that's very manageable uh, for that. Um, but yeah, the, the consistency over time, uh, consistency trumps intensity, and uh, I'm not in a position to have high intensity work right now. I have to monitor myself and, and control, like I said, control
0: the output. I like that. I like that a lot. And that probably go for a lot of people too. Um, you know, training smartly, intelligently, and not trying to push it, push it, push it um, consistently. Cause you will see those gains. Like I said, those pandemic PR people, they weren't going nuts every session. Like it was very consistent, you know?
1: I, I think that, uh, and this, this is another, maybe philosophical rabbit hole that we might not want to travel down, but uh, there's um, there's a percentage of people out there who use training to prove toughness. And my grandmother has never lifted a weight in her life. And I promise you, she's one of the toughest individuals walking around the the globe right now. Yeah. Um, And there are people out there who are, tough as nails uh, that have never completed a training session. And so I think, I think toughness is revealable. I don't know that toughness is trainable. I like that. Um, You, you will find Uh, out what you can do. um, Not. Yeah. There's, there's some research out of Russia and, and, and toughness not being really being something that's a trainable quality, but it is revealable. And, um, quit treating your training sessions like you're trying to prove how tough you are. And if you do that, you'll actually start to make progress. Uh, There's, there's a lot of frustrated people out there that are wondering why they can't move forward in their training, but they're always using their training as a test as, as this litmus test of whether how tough they are, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, If you let go of that a little bit, Um, and you, and you trust the training process and you control your output probably better off.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. And it's, it's easy to follow. It works, works for you, works for myself and people we know. Yeah. I I never understood what I tried to understand, try to be curious about why people would go into a facility and they train super hard, but not have it carry over into other things. Like, I think the carryover is way more important. Um, but that's my opinion.
1: Absolutely. No, it's, it's, uh, the, I, I've joked for a long time that, uh, I don't need to be entertained in, in my training results are entertaining. Heck yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't need my training to be entertaining. It's the results that I'm looking for. And so, um, letting go of the, the toughness aspect and letting go of the, um, the, the beat down and the, the tough, uh, workouts. Um, not that I don't have tough training sessions, but they're managed. They're uh, dosed a- appropriately. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, training's an interesting thing. Um, and I'm sure you've met people who identify themselves, uh, by the, uh, training that they do.
0: Yes. Oh,
1: Hey, you know, Sue, it's great to meet you. Uh, what do you do? I'm a runner. Really? You get paid to run? <laughs> you're, you're, you're a professional runner. Um, or Bob, or you know, whoever you're having a conversation with, um, the we we get a lot of identity off of these things that we feel successful doing. And again, it goes back to that control aspect, right? I can control my physicality uh, in a much different way than I can control many other things in my life. So I tend to put the walls up and circle the wagons, so to speak, um, and try to create this this safe bubble to, to be within. And it, you start to identify yourself by that thing that makes you feel successful, makes you feel good. Um, and that can be a fantastic thing. Yeah, uh, It can also be a path to ruin as you chase that thing as your identity. And when there's some clear indications that you need to take a break or do something different, uh, you have a really hard time doing that because it actually means giving up part of your identity. And that's a really hard conversation, you know, as, as a trainer, as an athletic trainer, and as a personal trainer, uh, we like to joke about how hard it is to work with runners and how to, you know, how challenging it can be to get a runner to not run for a couple of weeks so they can heal up. Yeah. And more than likely, you're asking them to not be them for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sean, stop being you. I don't want to. Exactly. <laughs> So don't wonder why it's so hard to get some people to change some of these behaviors and some of these things, because you're challenging them to not be themselves for a period of time. So you have to work with them and give them alternatives and, you know, things like that. I don't know how we got down that rabbit hole. But oh, I love it.
0: No, I love it. I love talking to fitness professionals about this kind of stuff. Uh, what we see a lot, and I'm sure you see this a lot too, is people go in um, or did go into a gym and they'll, they'll look on Instagram or something for some flashy workout. And they're like, why it sparkles and this person's got tight pants on, but how does that fit into your training program? Or are you here to just work out? And that's all you need is you need to feel like you accomplished something and there's no path. It's just something you're doing right now. So yeah, I try to be curious and try and meet people where they are. And then fortunately I don't work with a lot of those people anymore. I work with people who are like you and me, like they want to go do stuff with their families and they want to be outside and they want to train and they want to see results and they don't want to be in the gym like more than twice, three times a week. So we know how to, we know how to train those people.
1: <laughs> <Very> Absolutely. <well. laughs> Absolutely. And, and having those tough conversations with folks that, that, that need to have the tough conversation. Uh, that's another, another thing that uh, uh, you, you tiptoe into uh, when, yeah. you, when <laughs> you,
0: you interview them and they interview you and see if that's a good fit. If not, they get to go to the other people, which is exactly. Fun. Yeah. There's plenty to go around. Oh, I love it. Um, well, we've covered a lot of great territory. You've given me so many really good, notes and wise lines. You live till you die. I mean, that's profound. Uh, Is there anything else you want to cover and share with our audience? Um, I don't know. I'm,
1: I'm, you know, obviously I'm at uh, a real interesting point in my life where I'm, uh, I'm rebuilding, uh, relearning, um, coming, uh, coming out of this, this treatment, finding out if it was successful uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Um, And it's just, Continuing to move forward and and uh, take care of take care of work, take care of business and, and family, and you know just uh, to to my point earlier, uh, you don't get to stop. You know that's you know doing cancer treatment back and forth during a global pandemic uh, was not something we planned on or uh, wanted to be dealing with. Um, don't want to be dealing with it now. Now it's even more frustrating because I was I was on lockdown for several weeks uh, just because of the treatments and the immunosuppressed state mm-hmm. and uh, and everything. And now that I'm kind of recovering and able to maybe do a few things, um, it's yes. it's amazing to me to see people not doing the things that need to be done to control this. Um, so uh, I'm sorry, wear a mask. Do. Um, <laughs> do the things that need to be done so that, so that we can all move forward from this. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's just um, continuing to, these opportunities to continue to learn and and progress.
0: I love it. Uh, It's such good stuff. Such good advice. And like you, we have, no joke, 40 masks, Brett. I mean, all the wow. companies I work with, like Patagonia and every company you've ever heard of, they pivoted like the first week of March. Like, hey, Sean, we got these new masks. We'll send out two for your wife and you. So we have got a bikini. I'm, the one I wear right now is a bikini. So that's like bikini, like stretchy material one. It, it's pretty entertaining. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's there's a lot of ways to own this. Like our gym has uh, logos on our masks. You know, Own it. It's part of life right now. Deal with it. Yep. Do it, for the greater good, not just you. Sure. Absolutely. Um, oh, Indian clubs. I meant to ask about that too. I've got mine back there and um, I love these things. I, I need to learn more about it. Uh, Matthew Flaherty was um, going to teach me some stuff. And um, we are very fortunate, like you mentioned, we're very fortunate to have such great friends and mentors in our circle and just pick up the phone or text or a, a podcast and just learn uh, brain dump and spit all ideas and, and, and progress.
1: Definitely. No, I was introduced to the clubs uh, actually back in two thousand six, two thousand four. I think it was two thousand four. Uh, by Dr. Dr. Ed Thomas uh, gave me a, a pair, and um, and then came to the FMS uh, kind of home office and gave us some training in it. And we ended up doing a product with with Dr. Thomas uh, on Indian club training, and uh, it's something that I. I mean, they're sitting there for a reason. I pick right. them up. They're, they're part of the, the routine uh, on, a, on a regular basis. And uh, I enjoy the kind of moving meditation aspect uh, to it. There's a precision that you're looking for that appeals to me. Um, and uh, I remember Dr. Thomas saying that the the longer he practices, the more disgusted he gets with his technique. <laughs> Um awesome. And I, I, I can appreciate where he's at. Cause I'll see myself. I'll, I'll do something on video and think, Oh yeah. And then I'll look at the video and go, Oh no.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear from you too, Brett. Uh time hop will pop up. Like I'll do a, a Turkish cap from two years ago. I'm like, Oh, that's horrible. I put that out there. <laughs> we can always get better. Right. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, that's from the master himself. So give yourself some credit just keep practicing. Absolutely. seriously. Um, Oh, I really want to ask you. What do you do for fun? What's fun? Um, No, I'm kidding. Three letter word.
1: (laughs) Three three letter word. Um, You know, I I uh, I enjoy uh, hiking, reading, um, spending time with the family. I I do consume a little too much TV, uh, but I'm a I'm a bit of a sci-fi nerd, and I just rewatched the Firefly uh, series. Um, the one season that they did of it, uh, which is one of the greatest tragedies in the world that they didn't continue with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the basics. I mean, my wife and I, uh, haven't been able to do much of it, but we, we really enjoy getting out hiking. Um, and, uh, and just being out there. It, it's funny. I'm, I did the first time in my life I'd ever slept outside was Glacier National Park. Really? Oh Yeah. So we uh, took a kind of trip of a lifetime with my dad, big hiker, wanted to do a trip with his son. So my brother and I uh, took him to, to Glacier and we, we went and did this hike in 2006. I mean, I, I just, it blows my mind that it's 14 years ago that I, that I did this trip. And uh, so, yeah, my first time sleeping outdoors was uh, Glacier National Park. With a grizzly day bed about 150 yards from where we were, uh, where the campsite was, and uh, my brother waking up at three three thirty that morning, morning, whooping and clapping, and, and uh, he said he smelled uh, bear, and uh, so it was the most miserable and uh, the most beautiful thing, one of the most beautiful things I've done. Wow, and one of the most miserable. Lost six toenails that uh, that. That like five days, four nights, fifty plus miles. Um, we had to reschedule the trip because there was a, a forest fire in, in Glacier, and we couldn't do. what We were going to do so. My brother, former Marine, uh, took the opportunity to turn it into a fifty-mile forced hike, uh, forced march, and uh, so it was. Like I said, one of the most one of the most miserable, but one of the most beautiful things uh, that I've done.
0: That is incredible. I've never smelt bear. I've seen bears and I've seen plenty of moose, but to smell a bear that's next level. I mean, like that's very close proximity.
1: Yeah. Um, now he's apparently he was successful scaring it off. Cause we, we were still here. Wow. Uh, but, uh, it was, it was pretty intense. Uh, but it was what an experience, uh, just glaciers, just, a, a such a beautiful place.
0: It is. I, and then our audience can definitely relate to you on hiking and camping. This might sound kind of weird, Brett, but I camp two days a year or two, two days a week, year round. Like it can be zero degrees and a blizzard. And I'm still camping because I love it. And then it could be, you know, 85 like it is right now and camping. The dogs love it. I love it. I, that's my happy place. And you get to hike around. And it's great for training too. I'm at I'm at 10,000 to 12,000 feet elevation. Swinging a kettlebell. That's great. You know, that's awesome. the views are great. I can't beat it.
1: Yeah, I uh, have been doing just day hikes. I, I haven't had the opportunity to, to kind of get back out there. Um, my, my wife would like to knock off some sections of the AT. Oh, cool. uh, so as time goes by, I think we're, we'll start trying to plan for that. We uh, did one of the high peaks. We were on, uh, took a vacation in Lake Placid, and we did one of the high peaks up there. And uh, embarrassingly enough, it's considered one of the easiest of the high peaks. I think it's uh, cascade mountain or something like that. Uh, it's just over 4,000 feet. It's nothing like what you guys have out there. <laughs> so I, I know the term high, high peaks to people in Colorado is like
0: Context: uh, I'll well, you start at 5,000 feet out here. So take that in consideration. So yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so, um, and so we, we go and do this hike and it's uh, it was a lot more climbing than we were expecting. Very, very rugged, uh, but considered one of the easiest of the high peaks because it's shorter. Mm-hmm. um but uh the the view you get at the top three sixty panoramic uh just um uh, spectacular so um but yeah so we've a lot of day hikes right now
0: that's so great i don't know know much is better than going on a hike with by yourself or with a loved one I mean just outside there's something magical about it, um no doubt, yeah, well, I'm glad you get out and do that oh uh, Brett, this has been an absolute pleasure i i can't thank you enough. Um, we need to do this again. I have a lot more questions for sure.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm always up for it. Uh, if there's, uh, and, and, you know, coming, one of the things that was very challenging with treatment uh, is uh, I, I, I struggled to talk for quite a few weeks. Uh, there's a lot of inflammation uh, and, and just stress on the throat and vocal cords. And uh, it's nice to be able to, to chat again uh with ease and so any and i'm up for a, uh, a conversation anytime
0: wonderful brett thank you so much and you sound fantastic well ladies and gentlemen this has been a freaking pleasure talking with brett jones um legend i'm gonna have a lot of links uh, links to your website of course brett and as well as the strong first um oh uh here i was gonna do the the breathing course in two weeks um are you gonna be attending that too
1: uh, I'll be in the background. Uh, you're referring to Pavel's Second William Express, uh, which is, is happening virtually. Um, I'll be in the background kind of as a monitor, uh, moderator or a monitor uh, for
0: questions and things like that. Excellent. I was going to sign up for this, but my father-in-law is in town. We're helping the in-laws move. But um, I, I cannot wait to learn more about this because it, the strong endurance has changed my life. The breathing techniques, I'm sure, will change my life, too. So thank you for all the hard work you guys do. It, it really helps a lot of people. Thank you. It's uh it's,
1: you know, try to be of service and uh try to put, put the good information out there and, and uh that is uh students of strength and and uh strength and having a greater purpose. And uh we wanna keep that keep that message going out there.
0: Now more than ever It's so true. Strength is a greater purpose. I think I'll leave okay. listeners with that to, to digest. That's really good. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Brett. And listeners, I'll have this uh available on YouTube, iTunes, wherever your ears can go or your eyes. I'll put it up there because this is great stuff. Thank you, Brett. Awesome. Thank you, Sean.